from cloned grapes to farmers getting creative in the outback. We'll focus on innovations for today's news. G'day, I'm Brett Worthington. Let's start with dairy and the giant processor Murray Goulburn has announced an opening milk price for the next financial year, which it says will meet farmers' costs of production. It comes as the new head of the company says it's performing below his expectations and there will be a full strategic review of the business. Ari Mervis says the review will be looking at how the business is put together and is unlikely to result in further factory closures. I think what, what, what I'll say is that at this stage, we're not looking at our asset base and our footprint. Um, I'd never say that there won't be any more shuttings of, of factories, what have you. One has to always consider your cost base and your asset base, which is really dependent on your milk intake and on the prices you can realise. Um, but the primary focus of the review is of more strategic review than an operational review. MG's opening price is $4.70 a kilo. Tasmanian farmer and Murray Goulburn supplier Brian Lawrence is far from jumping at joy at that price. Well, we were hoping it'd have a five in front of it, so yeah, that's a little lower than we were hoping. So a little bit disappointing, yes. Let's stay in Tassie, where a year on and three quarters of a million dollars later, a farmer says his recovery from the 2016 flood disaster continues. Cattleman Jeff Hazelwood was flown from his property after it was inundated by floodwaters on this day 12 months ago. He says he vividly remembers seeing his cattle floating around in the swollen river. Yeah, I was very worried that we'd lost a herd. I could hear them and I saw the first two or three folk passed and I thought, this is not going to get good. You know, it's a bit like sheep, you know, I was thinking, well, if one goes, the rest will follow. And, and that was probably the worst time of the lot. Well, it might be tough for some to imagine, given all the rain that's been falling, but early questions are being asked if another El Nino weather pattern is on the way. El Ninos typically bring a drop in rainfall in Australia, and climate forecasters say they'll be keeping a close watch on the sea surface temperature in the next two months. But Dr David Stevens isn't confident enough to call it just yet. At the moment, the ocean atmosphere are not coupling in the way that a normal El Nino would do. Now, if it does, the chances of a drier season for eastern Australia increase dramatically. But even if that El Nino doesn't develop, the ocean temperature pattern to the northwest of us will reduce moisture into the western um, and southern parts of Australia. Okay, let's head west, where one of WA's handful of Queen Garnet plum variety growers believes processing the fruit will encourage more farmers to grow it. Growers in WA currently don't have a licence to process the fruit, but the company behind the plum has teamed up with a Queensland processor to freeze-dry the skin and crush it into health powders. Grower Tony Jamelli says the processing market would offer a financial incentive to increase the state's industry. The amount of produce that's actually discarded and, th- and thrown out makes it quite hard for things to be viable. So the processing side is, is the ultimate for us because if the whole lot of the product can be utilised, that would make a massive difference. Let's continue with innovation and one of Australia's leading viticultural researchers says winemakers in Australia are uniquely placed globally when it comes to cloning and developing wines. Dr Michael McCarthy from South Australia's Research Development Institute has been testing grapes to see how they'll perform in areas predicted to be warmer in 50 years' time due to climate change. He says testing creates opportunities for wine exporters to produce varieties attractive to overseas palates. Maybe the rest of the world might be a bit more interested in some of our material. We have clones that just don't exist in the rest of the world anymore. Speaking of getting creative, a grazier on the Queensland Northern Territory border has taken to the skies to maintain the vegetation along his fence line. Will Seymour from Split Rock Station has started spraying a selective herbicide and spreading grass seeds out of his helicopter. 
He says it's a more efficient way of maintaining fence lines and helps erosion problems. Well, you just get the dollars across the ground. Like I can, with a ton of grassland, I can do 70 kilometres of fence lines, and I can do that within like an hour and a half, and they don't have to be touched for 10 years. Let's finish in the top end, where carbon farming in northern Australia has received international attention, with Canada wanting to follow in our footsteps. A representative of the Aboriginal Carbon Fund, based in Alice Springs, will be speaking with First Nations groups in British Columbia this week to explain how it works. General Manager Rowan Foley says the fund creates carbon credits for companies through planting trees and savannah burning in the NT. They've received funding from the Canadian government to look into developing the Indigenous Carbon Fund in Canada based on our work with the Aboriginal Carbon Fund here in Australia. They believe that carbon is the way forward, carbon farming in particular, and that Indigenous nations throughout Canada will benefit from carbon farming on their country. For more rural news, head online to abc.net.au slash rural.